0: The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book 5, Canto 11. Read by Carolyn Power. Prince Arthur overcomes the great Garonio in fight doth slay the monster, and restore Belje unto her right. It often falls, in course of common life, that right-long time is overborne of wrong, through avarice, or power, or guile, or strife, that weakens her, and makes her party strong. But justice, though her doom she do prolong, yet at the last she will her own cause right, as by sad Belge seems, whose wrongs, though long, she suffered, yet at length she did requite, and sent redress thereof by this brave Briton knight. Whereof, when news was to that tyrant brought, how that the lady Belgian now had found a champion that had with his champion fought, and laid his seneschal low on the ground, and eke himself did threaten to confound, he gan to burn in rage and freeze in fear, doubting sad end of principle and sound, Yet sith he heard but one that did appear, He did himself encourage, and take better cheer. Nevertheless himself he armed all in haste, And forth he fared with all his many bad. ne stayed step, till that he came at last Unto the castle which they conquered had. There, with huge terror to be more he dread, He sternly marched before the castle gate, And with bold vaunts and idle threatening bad, Deliver him his own, ere yet too late, To which they had no right, nor any wrongful state. The prince stayed not his answer to devise, But opening straight the spar, forth to him came, Full nobly mounted in right warlike wise, And asked him, if that he were the same, Who all that wrong unto that woeful dame So long had done, and from her native land, Exiled her, that all the world spake shame. He boldly answered him, he there did stand, that would his doings justify with his own hand. With that so furiously at him he flew, as if he would have overrun him straight, and with his huge great iron axe gang hew so hideously upon his armour bright, as he to pieces would have chopped it quite, that the bold prince was forced foot to give to his first rage, and yield to his despite, the wildest at him so dreadfully he drive, that seemed a marble rock asunder could arrive. There, too, a great advantage Ikki has, through his three double hands thrice multiplied. Besides the double strength which in them was, for still when fit occasion did betide, he could his weapon shift from side to side, from hand to hand, and with such nimbless sly could wield about, that ere it were espied the wicked stroke did wound his enemy, behind, beside, before, as he at this apply. Which uncouth use, when, as the prince perceived, he gan to watch the wielding of his hand. Least by such slight he were unawares deceived, and ever ere he saw the stroke to land, he would it meet, and warily withstand. One time, when he his weapon feigned to shift, as he was wont, and changed from hand to hand, he met him with a counterstroke so swift, that quite smite off his arm, as he it up did lift. Therewith, all fraught with fury and disdain, he brayed aloud for very fell despite, and suddenly, to venge himself again, gan into one assemble all the might of all his hands, and heaved them on height, thinking to pay him with that one for all. But the sad steel seized not where it was height, upon the child, but somewhat short did fall, and lighting on his horse's head, him quite did maul. Down straight to ground fell his astonished steed, and eke to the earth his burden with him bare, but he himself full lightly from him freed, and gan himself to fight on foot prepare. Whereof, when as a giant was aware, he walks right blithe as he had got thereby, and laughed so loud that all his teeth wide bare, one might have seen in range disorderly, like to a rank of piles that pitchet are awry. Eft again his axe he wrought on high, ere he were thoroughly buckled to his gear, and can let drive at him so dreadfully, that had he chanced not his shield to rear, ere that huge stroke arrived on him near, he had him surely cloven quite in twain. But adamantine shield which he did bear so well was tempered that for all his main it would no passage yield unto his purpose vain. Yet was the stroke so forcibly applied that made him stagger with uncertain sway, as if he would have tottered to one side, wherewith full rap he fiercely gan to say that curtsey with like kindness to repay and smote at him with so importune might that two more of his arms did fall away like fruitless branches which the hatchet slight hath pruned from the native tree and cropped quite with that all mad and furious he grew like a fell mastiff through raging heat and cursed and banned and blasphemies forth through Against his gods and fire to them did threat, and hell unto himself with horror great. Thenceforth he cared no more which way he stroked, nor where it light, but gan to chafe and sweat, and gnashed his teeth, and his head at him shook, and sternly him beheld with grim and ghastly look. Not feared the child his looks, ne yet his threats, but onely waxed now the more aware to save himself from those his furious heats, and watch advantage how to work his care, the which good fortune to him offered fair. For as he in his rage him overstruck, he ere he could his weapon back repair, his side all bare and naked overtook, and with his mortal steel quite through the body struck. Through all three bodies he him struck at once, that all the three at once fell on the plain, else should he thrice have needed for the nuns them to have stricken and thrice to have slain. So now all three one senseless lump remain, enwallowed in his own black bloody gore, and biting the earth for very death's disdain, who with a cloud of night him covering bore, down to the house of Dole, his days there to deplore. Which when the lady from the castle saw, where she with her two sons did looking stand, she towards him in her haste herself did draw, To greet him the good fortune of his hand. And all the people, both of town and land, Which there stood gazing from the city's wall, Upon these warriors, greedy to understand, To whether, should the victory befall, Now when they saw it fall, they eke him greeted all. But Belgia with her sons prostrated low Before his feet, in all that people's sight, monk's joys mixing some tears, Mongst wealsome woe, hin thus bespake, O most redoubted knight, the which hast me of almost wretched white, that erst was dead, restored to life again, and these weak imps replanted by thy might. What guerdon can I give thee for thy pain? But even that which thou savest thine still to remain. He took her up for by the lily hand, and her recomforted the best he might saying, Dear lady, deeds ought not be scanned by the author's manhood, nor the doer's might, but by their trueth, and the cause's right. That same is it which fought for you this day. What other meed then need me to requite, but that which yielded virtue's meed alway? That is the virtue's self, which her reward doth pay. She humbly thanked him for that wondrous grace, and further said, Ah, sir, but mote he please, Sith ye thus far have tendered my poor case, As from my chiefest foe me to release, That your victorious arm will not yet cease Till ye have rooted all the relics out Of that wild race, and established my peace. What is there else, said he, left of the root? Declare it boldly, dame, and do not stand in doubt. Then woe you, sir, that in this church hereby There stands an idol of great note and name, The which this giant reared first on high, and of his own vain fancies thought did frame, to whom for endless horror of his shame he offered up for daily sacrifice my children and my people burnt in flame with all the tortures that he could devise the more to grate his god with such his bloody guise. And underneath this idol there doth lie an hideous monster that doth it defend and feeds on all the carcasses that die in sacrifice unto that cursed fiend, whose ugly shape none ever saw nor kenned that ever scaped for of a man they say it has the voice that speeches forth doth send even blasphemous words which she doth bray out of her poisonous entrails fraught with dire decay which when the prince heard tell his heart gan earn for great desire that monster to assay and prayed the place of her abode to learn which being showed he gan himself straightway there to address and his bright shield display. So to the church he came, where it was told, the monster underneath the altar lay. There he that idol saw of massy gold, most richly made, but there no monster did behold. Upon the image with his naked blade three times as in defiance there he struck, and the third time out of an hidden shade, there forth issued from under the altar's smoke, a dreadful fiend with foul deformed look, that stretched itself, as it had long lined still, And her long tail and feathers strongly shook, That all the temple did with terror fill, Yet him not terrified, that feared nothing ill. An huge great beast it was, When it in length was stretched forth, That nigh filled all the place, And seemed to be of infinite great strength, Horrible, hideous, and of hellish race, born of the brooding of Echnida base, or other like infernal furies kind, for of a maid she had the outward face to hide the horror which should lurk behind, the better to beguile whom she so fond did find. There, too, the body of a dog she had, full of fell raven and fierce greediness, a lion's claws with power and rigour clad, to rend and tear whatso she can oppress, a dragon's tail, whose sting without redress, full deadly wounds whereso it is impite, and eagle's wings for scope and speediness, that nothing may escape her reaching might, whereto she ever lists to make her hardy flight. Much like in foulness and deformity unto that monster, whom the Theban knight, the father of that fatal progeny, made kill herself for very heart's despite. That he had read her riddle, which no white could ever lose, but suffer deadly duel. So also did this monster use like slight to many a one which came unto her school, whom she did put to death, deceived like a fool. She coming forth, when as she first beheld the armed prince with shield so blazing bright, her ready to assail was greatly quelled, and much dismayed with that dismayful sight that back she would have turned for great affright, But he gan her with courage fierce assay, that forced her turn again in her despite, to save herself, least that he did her slay, and sure he had her slain, had she not turned her way. Though when she saw that she was forced to fight, she flew at him like to an elish fiend, and on his shield took hold with all her might, as if that it she would in pieces rend, or reave out of the hand that did it hend. strongly he strove out of her greedy grip to lose his shield and long while did contend but when he could not quite it with one strip her lion's claws he from her feet away did whip with that aloud she gan to bray and yell and foul blasphemous speeches forth did cast and bitter curses horrible to tell that even the temple wherein she was plasd, did quake to hear, and nigh asunder brast. Though with her huge long tail she at him struck, that made him stagger and stand half aghast, with trembling joints as he for terror shook, who nought was terrified but greater courage. As when the mast of some well timbered hulk is with the blast of some outrageous storm blown down, it shakes the bottom of the bulk. And makes her ribs to crack as they were torn, while still she stands astonished and forlorn. So was he stood with stroke of her huge tail, but ere that it she back again had borne, he with his sword it struck that without fail he jointed it and marred the swinging of her flail. Then gan she cry much louder than afore, that all the people THERE therewithout it heard and belge herself was therewith stonied sore as if the only sound thereof she feared but then the fiend herself more fiercely reared upon her wide great wings and strongly flew with all her body at his head and beard that had he not foreseen with heedful view and thrown his shield atween she had him done to rue but as she pressed on him with heavy sway UNDER HER WOMB HIS FATAL SWORD HE THRUST, AND FOR HER ENTRAILS MADE AN OPEN WAY TO ISSUE FORTH, THE WHICH, ONCE BEING BRUSHED, LIKE TO A GREAT MILL dam FORTH FIERCELY GUSHED AND POURED OUT OF HER INFERNAL SINK, MOST UGLY FILTH AND POISON THEREWITH RUSHED, THAT HIM NIGH CHOKED WITH THE DEADLY STINK, SUCH LOATHLY MATTER WERE SMALL LUST TO SPEAK OR THINK. Then down to ground fell that deformed mass, Breathing out clouds of sulphur foul and black, In which a puddle of contagion was, More loathed than Lerna, or than Stygian Lake, That any man would nigh a rapid make. Whom when he saw on ground he was full glad, And straight went forth his gladness to partake, With Belger who watched all this while full sad, Waiting what end would be of that same danger dread. Whom, when she saw so joyously come forth, she gan rejoice and shew triumphant cheer, lauding and praising his renowned worth by all the names that honorable were. Then in he brought her and showed there the present of his pains, that monster's spoil, and eke that idol deemed so costly dear, whom he all to pieces did break and foil in filthy dirt, and left so in the loathly soil. Then all the people which beheld that day gan shout aloud that unto heaven it rung, and all the damsels of that town in ray came dancing forth in joyous carols sung. So him they led through all their streets along, crowned with garlands of immortal bays, and all the vulgar did about them throng, to see the man whose everlasting praise they all were bound to all posterities to raise. There he, with Belje did a while remain, making great feast and joyous merriment, until he had her settled in her reign, with safe assurance and establishment. Then to his first emprise his mind he lent, full loath to Belge and to all the rest, of whom yet taking leave, thenceforth he went, and to his former journey him addressed, on which long way he rode, ne ever day did rest. But turn we now to noble Artigol, Who, having left Mersilla straightway went, On his first quest, the which him forth did call, And wheat to work franchise meant, And eke Grantorto's worthy punishment. So forth he fared as his manner was, With onely Talus waiting diligent, through many perils and much way did pass, till night unto the place at length approached he has. There, as he travelled by the way, he met an aged wight, wayfaring all alone, who through his years long since aside had set the use of arms and battle quite forgone, to whom as he approached he knew a nun, that it was he which Wilhelm did attend, on fair Irene, on her affliction, when first to fairy court he saw her wend, Unto his sovereign queen, her sweet were to commend. Whom by his name saluting, thus he gan, Hail, good Sir Sergius, truest knight alive, Well tried in all thy lady's troubles then, When her that tyrant did of crown deprive. What new occasion doth thee hither drive, Whilst she alone is left, and thou here found? Or is she in thrall? or doth she not survive to whom he thus she liveth sure and sound but by that tyrant is in wretched thraldom bound for she presuming on the pointed tide in which he promised as you were a knight to meet her at the salvage island side and then and there for trial of her right with her unrighteous enemy to fight did thither come were she afraid of naught by guileful treason, and by subtle slight, Surprised was, and to Grantorto brought, Who her imprisoned hath, and her life often sought. And now he hath to her prefixed a day, By which, if that no champion do appear, Which will her cause in battleless array Against him justify, and prove her clear Of all those crimes that he against her doth rear, she death shall buy. Those tidings sad, In much abashed Sir Artegall to hear, and grieved sore that through his fault she had fallen into that tyrant's hand and usage bad. Then thus replied, Now sure and by my life, too much am I to blame for that fair maid, that have her drawn to all this troublous strife, through promise to afford her timely aid which by default I have not yet afraid. But witness unto me, ye heavens, that know how clear I am from blame of this upbraid, for ye into like thraldom me did throw, and kept from accomplishing the faith which I did owe. But now, I read, Sir Sergius, how long space hath he her lent a champion to provide! Ten days, quoth he, he granted hath of grace, for that he weeneth well before that tide None can have tidings to assist her side, For all the shores which to the sea accost He day and night doth ward both far and wide, That none can there arrive without an host, To her he deems already but a damned ghost. Now turn again, Sir Artigle then said, For if I live till those ten days have end, Assure yourself, Sir Knight, she shall have aid though I this dearest life for her do spend, so backward he at one with him did wend, though as they rode together on their way, a rout of people they before them kenned, flocking together in confused array, as if that there were some tumultuous affray. To which, as they approached the cause to know, they saw a knight in dangerous distress, of a rude rout him chasing to and fro, that sought with lawless power him to oppress, and bring in bondage of their brutishness, and far away, amid their racial bands, they spied a lady left all succourless, crying, and holding up her wretched hands, to him for aid, who long in vain their rage withstands. Yet still he strives, ne' any peril spares, to rescue her from their rude violence, And like a lion would amongst some fares, Dealing his dreadful blows with large dispense, gainst which the pallid death finds no defence, But all in vain their numbers are so great That naught may boot to banish them from thence, For soon as he their outrage back doth beat, They turn afresh, and oft renew their former threat. And now they do so sharply him assay, that they his shield in pieces battered have, and forced him to throw it quite away, fro dangers dread his doubtful life to save, all be that it most safety to him gave, and much did magnify his noble name. For from the day that he thus did it leave, amongst all knights he blotted was with blame, and counted but a recreant knight with endless shame. Whom when they thus distressed did behold, they drew unto his aid, but that rude rout them also gan assail with outrage bold, and forced them, however strong and stout they were, as well approved in many a doubt, back to Roku, until that iron man with his huge flail began to lay about, from whose stern presence they diffused ran, like scattered chaff, the which the wind away doth fan. So when that knight from peril clear was freed, he drawing near began to greet them fair, and yield great thanks for their so goodly deed, in saving him from dangerous despair of those which sought his life for to impair, of whom Sir Artigall gan then inquire the whole occasion of his lateness fair, and who he was, and what those villains were, the which with mortal malice him pursued so near. To whom he thus, my name is Bourbon Hight, well known and far renowned heretofore, until late mischief did upon me light, that all my former praise had blemished sore, and that fair lady, which in that uproar, ye with those caitiffs saw, Fleur Dellis height, is mine own love, though me she have forlore, whether withheld from me by wrongful might, or with her own good will, I cannot read aright. But sure to me her faith she first did plight, To be my love, and take me for her lord, Till that a tyrant which Grantorto torto With golden gifts and many a guileful word, Enticed her to him for to accord. O oh, who may not with gifts and words be tempted, Sith which she hath me ever since aboard, And to my foe hath guilefully consented, I me that ever guile in woman was invented. And now he hath this troop of villains sent by open force to fetch her quite away, gainst whom myself I long in vain have bent to rescue her and daily means assay. Yet rescue her thence by no means I may, for they do me with multitude oppress, and with unequal might do overlay, that oft I driven am to great distress and forced to forego the attempt remediless. But why have ye, said Artegall, forborne your own good shield in dangerous dismay? That is the greatest shame and foulest scorn which unto any knight be happen may, to lose the badge that should his deeds display. To whom Sir Bourbon, blushing half for shame, that shall I unto you, quoth he, bewray. Lest ye therefore mote happily me blame, and deem it doon of will that through enforcement came. True is that I at first was dubbed knight by a good knight, the knight of the Red Cross, who, when he gave me arms in field to fight, gave me a shield, in which he did endoss his dear Redeemer's badge upon the boss. The same long while I bore, and therewithal, fought many battles without wound or loss, therewith Grand torto self I did appall, And made him oftentimes in field Before me fall. But for that many did the shield envy, And cruel enemies increased more, To stint all strife and troublous enmity, That bloody scutcheon being battered sore. I laid aside, and have of late forbore, Hoping thereby to have my love obtained, Yet can I not my love have more. For she by force is still for me detained, and with corruptful bribes is to untruth mistrained. To whom thus articled, Certus, sir knight, hard is the case the which ye do complain, yet not so hard, for naught so hard may light that it to such a strait mote you constrain, as to abandon that which doth contain your honour's style, that is your warlike shield all peril ought be less and less all pain than loss of fame in disadventure's field die rather than do aught that mote dishonour yield not so quoth he for yet when time doth serve my former shield i may resume again to temporise is not from truth to swerve me for advantage term to entertain when as necessity doth it constrain by on such forgery, said Artigal, under one hood to shadow faces twain. Knights ought be true, and truth is one in all. Of all things to dissemble foully may befall. Yet let me you of courtesy request, said Bourbon, to assist me now at need against these peasants which have me oppressed and forced me to so infamous deed that yet my love may from their hands be freed. Sir Artegall, albeit he ersted white, his wavering mind, yet to his aid agreed, and buckling him eftsoons unto the flight, did set upon those troops with all his power and might. Who flocking round about them, as a swarm of flies upon a birchen bough doth cluster, did them assault with terrible alarm, and over all the fields themselves did muster with bills and glaives making a dreadful luster, that forced at first those knights back to retire, and when the wrathful Boreas doth bluster, naught may abide the tempest of his ire, both man and beast do fly, and succor do inquire. But when, as overblown was that brunt, those knights began afresh them to assail, and all about the fields like squirrels hunt, but chiefly Talus, with his iron flail, gainst which no flight nor rescue mote avail, made cruel havoc of the baser crew, and chased them both over hill and dale. The rascal Mani soon they overthrew, but those two knights themselves their captains did subdue. At last they came, whereas that lady bowed, whom now her keepers had forsaken quite, to save themselves, and scattered were abroad, her half-dismayed they found in doubtful plight, As neither glad nor sorry for their sight. Yet wondrous fair she was, and richly clad, In royal robes and many jewels dight, But that those villains through their usage bad Them foully rent and shamefully defaced had. But Bourbon straight dismounting from his steed, Unto her ran with greedy great desire, And catching her fast by her ragged weed, would have embraced her with heart entire. But she, back-starting with disdainful ire, bade him avaunt, me would unto his lore allured be for prayer nor for mead, whom when those knights so forward and forlore beheld, they her rebuked and upbraid sore. Said Artigal, what foul disgrace is this to so fair lady as ye seem in sight to blot your beauty that unblemished is, With so foul blame as breach of faith once plight, Or change of love for any world's delight, Is aught on earth so precious or so dear As praise and honour, or is aught so bright And beautiful as glory's beams appear, Whose goodly light then Phoebus' lamp Doth shine more clear? Why then will ye, fond dame, attempted be Unto a stranger's love so lightly placed, For gifts of gold or any worldly glee, To leave the love that ye before embraced, And let your fame with falsehood be defaced. Fie on the pelf, for which good name is sold, And honour with indignity debased. Dearer is love than life, and fame than gold, But dearer than them both, Your faith once plighted hold. Much was the lady in her gentle mind Abashed at this rebuke that bit her near, Ne ought to answer thereunto did find, But hanging down her head with heavy cheer, Stood long amazed as she a weir, Which bourbon seeing her again essayed, And clasping twixt his arms Her opted up rear upon his steed, While she no whit gainsaid, So bore her quite away, Nor well, nor ill a paid. Nevertheless, the iron man did still pursue that rascal many with unpitied spoil, ne ceased it not till all their scattered crew into the sea he drove quite from that soil, the which they troubled had with great turmoil. But Artegall, seeing his cruel deed, commanded him from slaughter to recoil, and to his voyage gan again proceed, for that the term approaching fast required speed. End of The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer Book 5, Canto 11